Oh, that was so cool. Thank you guys so much for uh, allowing us to do that, to dedicate Gideon to, uh, to our God today and, and be part of that. Um, I am a grateful believer in Jesus. I'm celebrating recovery from an addiction to pornography, suicidal depression, and rage. I uh, uh, am dealing with chronic pain and... Uh, short temper and my name is brian so glad to be here oh we're not giving it to her listen uh, intro i want to thank you guys so much for being part of the celebrate recovery mission here at at believers church (laughs) it's so easy getting up on stage and just speaking you know it's just it just this stuff just flows and it's just so wonderful. And, uh, and I know, I know that some of you are probably laughing at me, but I know that some of you are laughing with me too. So I'm, okay. I'm cool with that. Um, this place has, has worked with Celebrate Recovery for 20 years-ish now. And um, we're just so grateful to have the space, the, the wonderful, inviting place, the, the, the prayers that get prayed in these, this building every single day of the week through multiple, multiple different uh, groups of people coming in here through the prayer room, just this, that, and the other. Um, I can't ask you this because Celebrate Recovery is an anonymity-based thing, but I bet you half of you have been through a 12-step. So uh, you kind of know what's going on here, right? <laughs> and I look forward for the other half to go ahead and sign up soon. <laughs> Um, because, because who doesn't need a 12 step? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Thank you. <laughs> Hi, my name is Linda. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus. And I came to celebrate beca- recovery for betrayal in my marriage. Um, I just want to tell you a little bit about what CR is. Um, it's a Christ center, um, recovery and, the difference is like people go to NA or AA, that kind of thing. But this isn't only for addictions. We say it's for our life's hurts, habits, and hangups. And I bet everybody can find one that they have. Now, I had a little trouble with that. When <laughs> Brian first started coming, he, he was the one with the problem. So he had no... I, <laughs> So I would come sometimes. I didn't want to be here. I didn't like it. And then I, so much so I hadn't even signed up for a 12-step. One night I was at Soccer City, and the great Pam Wyckoff called me. And she she said, I want you to do this next 12-step, and I want you to co-lead it. And I knew immediately, like, oh, my gosh, I need to do this. But I was like, okay, I'll pray about it. <laughs> but it wasn't the I'll pray about it, like, no, it was the I pray about it, but I already know I need to do it. It's just one of those things I'll just never forget, that phone call. And so um, I took the 12-step. I didn't know what to expect. I was a little bit apprehensive about it. And it shockingly changed my life. Um, I stopped believing what the devil was telling me about me and started realizing the truth of what God says about me. And one thing I learned as well 
is my husband's porn addiction was not my fault. Um, and that was a really hard thing for me to, to get to that place and understand it, but it wasn't. So um, we want freedom in recovery. And it can be freedom from anything. It's grief, it's stuff that might have been done to you, things that have happened to you, or as was stated earlier, is even mistakes that you have made. But a good father, just as John was saying earlier, um, it doesn't matter if you're the one that made the mistake, he still wants to help you. And so come check us out. Um, it's, it's like a family, it's a community, we don't, journey this alone. You need your community when you're in recovery. And um, anyway, it's just, it's like a great big family, kind of a offshoot of a Sunday church service, if you will. So um, we're glad we're here. Yeah. Oh, one other thing I wanted to say is just about being free is why we are called to be free. We went over this verse and it's just been sticking with me. Galatians 5.13 is the reason why we are called to be free it's not to use our freedom to indulge in our flesh, but it's to serve one another humbly in love. Beautiful. Thank you. Did you call me beautiful? Yes. My beautiful wife just said a nice oh, verse. So, um, so when we took over uh, the ministry from the founders, uh, the, the big question that they that they hit me with that I was not ready for was like, what are you going to change? I'm like, why would I change anything? It's perfect, right? <laughs> well, um, we've changed a few things. <laughs> One of the big changes uh, that we've had is that sometimes when I was coming earlier on, we might have had 12 people come on a, on a Tuesday night, right? And of course, obviously there was more sometimes too, and 50, 60, or whatever, but we might have had 12 people come. Well, I'm getting ready to thank 12 different teams that we have that are part of our ministry. And uh, that's something that we, we had some of these teams, but we've added a lot of teams to this also. And uh, we say that giving back is a huge step forward in your own recovery, and I found that personally to be true. And um, the, we've, we're, we're giving everyone that comes on a Tuesday night, an opportunity. And you all Sunday-ers, uh, there's opportunities for you to be part of our teams too, just so you know. Uh, let me list some of these teams, that, and I'm, uh, when, I, when I say the teams, uh, I can't ask them to stand up because we're all anonymous, but I will <laughs> pause, or if you will, just to get you uh, a clue on, on, on these teams. Greeting team. The greeting team is a, a, an interesting one because they have to come before everybody else. So that's an early team. That that's, that's a little bit of a, a sacrifice uh, for these people. They, we want, that's a long hallway, right? Imagine coming in this room from all the way down the front of that room, <laughs> door first time and just having to go through the, like, nothing. Like, I don't know if you want to make it. So we put a greeting team up front. We got a, a, at least a, a, a guy and a girl up there saying, hello, how are you doing, what, how, you know, and hopefully they recognize them or don't recognize them. We can start a dialogue and bring them down if they're newcomers or whatever so we can get to know them. Kitchen team. Kitchen people have to make the food before everybody gets here. So the kitchen team also has a little bit more uh, of, uh, of a mission, if you will, on 
on, on uh, taking away the time from them because they, they got to be here early. Uh, and we just so much appreciate them. We always have such great meals. And um, I can't remember who always prepares the menu and usually goes for all the shopping, for all the stuff, for the food. But whoever it is, they do a great, great job. So, you know, uh, the leader of the kitchen team, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you all today got to experience most of our worship team. There were three people on stage that are not part of our CR worship set. Um, and there are actually some uh, people that part, are part of our worship set that weren't able to be here tonight. But we have a great uh, worship team that's led by the people that usually come here on Sundays anyway, you know, and so they, they've, they've dedicated a lot of their time. I'm not going to talk about names because if I do, I'll just never get to it. So uh, I, I just can't do that. Um, tech team. What's the tech team? Those people back there, that weird uh, square that nobody really knows. There's people in there, actually. We see it, and then we just kind of like, I can't sit there. But there's actually people in there, you know, and they do a lot of things that I don't know. That is a very important job, and we have a great tech team that does on on Sunday, right? On a Sunday, and and the and actually our Sunday uh, people trained some people up that we were willing to let uh, um, get some trust back there, and they've trained uh, a, our team up there. So we have a team that goes up there and, and does all those things up there. You know the tech. Um, we have a thing called a CR Kids Team. We have childcare. Uh, not all Celebrate Recoveries have childcare, but ours does. It's big enough that we're able to do that. And sometimes we have two kids, and sometimes we've had 10, 12, 15 kids. It just varies, you know what I mean? So we have to be prepared. Um, we're getting ready to put a... Are you going to talk about that? No. We're getting ready to put a, pa- a pause on our childcare to give our, breaker, our workers a break. So in August, we're not going to have child care, and we're going to be recruiting for child care. So if you're interested in working one Tuesday night uh, every, what, two months or something like that, please let us know that. Anybody can do that. Of course, you have to have a background check for that one. But the child care team is, is just amazing, and they can go on there and love on the kids so the parents can get some freedom, you know. The newcomers team is not the greeters team. We like to welcome anybody that comes to our CR that's never been to this CR before. If the founder of Celebrate Recovery came to our CR, we'd ask if they'd like to come to our newcomers group so we could get to know them and they could get to know us. We get have questions and because when we go to our small groups, we've got an agenda and we're trying to get through these questions and let everybody have a turn. We ask them to come to the newcomers so we can give them a chance to, to get to know us and, and, and let us get to know them prayer team we have a great prayer team uh we have sign up sheets in the hall if you have a prayer request fill that thing out put it in the box make it anonymous put your name on it either way and that's for anybody in here too if you want our cr prayer team to pray for you use the box we'll take it okay and and they pray over these things and if you want a response put your name on there they'll respond if not we can keep it anonymous dessert team we have a great crew of people that bring homemade desserts. They always make homemade desserts. So um, it, it's never just grab something 
on, on your way in. It's like they plan this and they and they and they make desserts for us, and and our people appreciate those desserts. They're fabulous. We get lots of good comments about those. And of course, celebrate recovery. What is it? It's about coming in here and having a, and a large meeting and then going into small groups, breaking down for open discussion, you know, 10 to 12 or so people or less. Well, we have to have people that facilitate those. It's listed here, leaders. We don't, we, it's a funny word, leader, because you're not really leading them. You're facilitating the conversation. You're, you're kind of there warming the seat, making sure the re- rules get read, and making sure we try and get out kind of on time-ish. So that's the part of the lead. The small group leaders and co-leaders, and we appreciate them. Same thing when we have a 12-step group. We have to ask somebody to lead that thing or facilitate it, if you will. Um, the, the people that go through the 12-step groups that, that lead it, if you will, or facilitate it, they're doing the same questions. They're answering every single question that everybody else is answering in there and getting uh, freedom from another and another and another and another thing that, that, that keeps coming up, right? So we're so grateful for those. And... Many of you have, have uh, gotten calls from me uh, from Sunday people because I, I saw your name somewhere that you might have thought about doing something. So if you've graduated a 12-step, you're, you're fair game for me to give you a ring. So, <laughs> yes. Um, what else? And then we also have the Celebrate Recovery came out with the, they came out with the 12 uh, steps. It's four books, right? Step books one through four. Well, then they came out with this thing called books five through eight advanced 12-step, if you will, or it's called The Journey Continues. So you can get into this kind of the same questions, but you get a lot deeper, and you got to think a lot more and put a lot more thought and, and time into answering these questions. So we have leaders like that, too. Celebrate, recru- celebrate Recovery Room Set Up and Tear Down. We typically use 90% of the rooms in the church on Tuesday night. And we hopefully... You, when you come on Sunday or Wednesday or whatever, Thursday, you don't notice that we were even here. Why? Well, because we try and police up, clean up our business in, in here and in the other rooms. And also because there's a team of um, BC and CR volunteers that set these rooms up for us and unset them up back the way they were. So we thank them for that. Um, that is about the list of the teams that we have, and boy, they just make it run. So it's just so easy on us. Of course, I didn't mention the team of, uh, are you going to talk about the team? No. Oh, it's all me. (laughs) So there's another team, the team of leaders, if you will. So Linda and I are the M, uh, the ministry leaders, and and it's T-E-A-M. So M is last, right? Because we are the ones that make sure everything gets done by everybody else. But the T, we have some trainers. Uh, we're not going to list, not, not do names. So we're just, we have a couple of trainers. They make sure that when we l- train people up to, to lead the small groups or do this or that or whatever, or, and even observe Linda and Brian to make sure that we're doing what? By the book. Because we want to stay a celebrate recovery nationally sanctioned um, group, if you will, and the only way to do that is to make sure you do the best you can to follow all the rules. They're good rules, and we don't get them all right every single time, but we do the best we can, and uh, we're willing to be correctable and, and get back to the, to the roots so it can stay a true celebrate recovery meeting. 
I don't know what I was saying. You were saying it's the T. Oh, yeah, yeah, T. So okay, so T. All right, T, uh, trainers, E, encouragers, A, assimilation coaches, and, and they kind of work with making sure the church and the CR talk people talk together and we get along, you know, which is important because, you know, Linda. <laughs> and they am, me and ministry leaders. So that, that's basically the, uh, the uh, volunteer groups that we have in our ministry. Thanks. He gets really excited about talking about CR. Okay, shut up. Gets a little long-winded sometimes. <laughs> um, so we have some amazing testimonies for you tonight, um, or to, this morning. Not tonight, sorry. Um, so first we're going to have um, our friends, Lon and Steph Martin. They've been members of the church for a very long time. I'm sure they'll tell you about it. And then we have Lowell Robertson, who is our state rep that we report to. So we're going to pray over them now, and then um, they'll come up and share their testimonies with you. Lord, we just pray over these testimonies today. We just thank you, Lord, that... Um, that you give them the courage to say um, the hard things that they've been through and that, that you open people's hearts, Lord, to give them hope and to encourage them that, hey, if you did it for this person, you can do it for me too. Amen. So um, God is so good and so faithful, and he is not ever done with you. Yeah. No matter how bad things can look, mm -hmm. um, he will help you find a way. And so we're just so excited, and we're just so grateful for these testimonies that we have today. And we just pray over them and over the con congregation for hearts to be receptive in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. No issue that you're thinking about is too small. If you think it might be something that you could work on, we'd love to talk with you about it. Thank you. I came to celebrate recovery for infidelity. My name is Lon Martin, and I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. And I'm glad to share my story. I had an uncanny obsession or awareness about sex early in my life, and I didn't know why. Uh, I was introduced. I, I could never remember any kind of abuse or anything like that, but I had an uncanny awareness. And uh... My name is Stephanie. I'm a grateful follower of Christ, celebrate recovery from trying to control life and the hurts imposed on me by others. I have, I have also made great strides in releasing bitterness, rebuilding trust, and walking out forgiveness. My current struggle is with letting go of self-sufficiency. Thank you for letting me share my story. My father left when I was eight years old, leaving my two sisters and I with my mother. I was the oldest, and at age 10, she placed me in a Tulsa boy's home, where I spent four years of my life. My mother could not always be there for me. She had to work and keep groceries and roof over our head, and she always did a good job of that. Looking back at the Tulsa Boys' Home, I thought I had been uh, 
done wrong because my sisters got to stay at home and I was in a boy's home. But uh, God blessed me in that. I had brothers that I never would have had at the time. Guidance and structure that kept me out of trouble that I really didn't understand at the time. At the age of 14 through 17, I did two stints in Helena Boys Reformatory. I turned 17 in the Oklahoma State Penitentiary on a 90-day wonder program that's kind of like scared straight with a three-year probation. At age 14, I had asked the Lord into my life, and I have never, never been the same. I'm hard-headed, and uh, I'm a slow learner, but I'm here. I did not change overnight. It's been a process from the inside out. I would end up with a drug alcohol habit, and I didn't realize how bad these were until I started stealing TVs, breaking into drugstores, and finally attempting an armed robbery. And I asked God in the heat of the escape to uh, get me out of this, and I would never do it again. And I can honestly say, I have never pulled a gun on anyone since. And uh, I was about 17 to 18, and he did get me out. And I grew up in a small town close to my grandma, Georgia, who helped raise all of us after our parents divorced when I was six. My mother was very nurturing, but she struggled with depression. So I also, I also look back at those formative years with lots of insecurity and fear. Also, mom barely had enough money coming in to support the family, and it was common to come home to find no water or electricity or even an eviction notice. I never felt like I could bring anyone home with me. I just learned to keep to myself. I liked school and went to local church regularly, but I never felt like I fit in. And I can't really say I felt left out. I just didn't feel like I belonged anywhere. I began to internalize everything to the point that I wouldn't share my feelings with anyone. Some unhealthy behaviors brought on from that were multiple suicide attempts, an eating disorder long before there was a label for it, and physical ailments. As a teen, I began to openly rebel against authority. At age 16, I was already experimenting with drugs and alcohol. I ran away from home with my boyfriend. Don't do that. <laughs> I was in that relationship for a year and a half and know that it was the hand of God that got me out of it. He was abusive, manipulative, and flat-out mean. When I did find the courage to leave, I felt so worthless that I thought my life was over. It was then that I was introduced to a relationship with Jesus. Now, I'd grown up knowing that there was a God. I had attended attended a church most of my life. I also knew that Jesus was the Savior of the world that he had died for our sins, but my church didn't teach about having a friendship or a personal relationship with Jesus. I was 18 years old when I asked Jesus into my heart, and I've never been the same. I went back home and finished high school. I went out to college, but I was so aimless that I really didn't know what I wanted to do, and I fell back into the drug scene. I lived to get high, and it got so bad that I would do anything for drugs. And one night, when I was confronted with my lowest low, 
I cried out to God and I told him that if he didn't help me that I was going to kill myself because I couldn't live with what I'd become. The next day, I moved two hours away to live with an older brother and his wife. It took me months to detox off the drugs, and there were many nights I couldn't sleep. And when I did, I had horrible nightmares. And those were the times that I got, I spent time with God, and he began to heal my heart. When I was 22 years old, I found myself in jail for five months on a second-degree burglary charge. I asked God to find me a good woman, and I would settle down. Hey, lo and behold, five months later, they had dropped my bond for some reason, and this beautiful girl came to visit me. And uh, six months later, we were married. We set up house, and three years later, we had our first baby girl. And four years later, we had our second baby girl. Between those four years, we got rid of beer, drugs, and pot as addictions in my life. We had started out owning our own business. God had blessed us. Life was good. Even though I was not perfect, I was better than I'd ever been in my life. No more drugs, no more beer. Didn't realize infidelity would raise its ugly head. See, I had affairs before, but nothing like the final one. One weekend I went home for a visit. When my sister invited me to go see a friend in jail, I decided I had better go or I'd be tempted to look up some old friends. Little did I know, there I would meet my husband, Lon. And it really was love at first sight. And everyone in the room knew it. Our courtship only lasted about six months before we got married. And he still had some unfinished business with the law. But within a few months, uh, we had that behind us, and we moved to Tulsa to find some good jobs. Our first years of marriage were still wild and reckless. However, we did go to church. We both knew we were saved and loved the Lord, but we had some bad behaviors deeply embedded in us. It was the unplanned pregnancy of our first daughter that started to change me. I really didn't want to have to settle down yet. But I couldn't bring myself to have an abortion either. So I decided to be the best mom I could be. I was 48. What we call our 9-11 when it happened. We had been married 26 years when my wife found a letter in my truck that let her know that I had been having an affair with her best friend. What was worse, it had been going on for two to three years. If the letter had not been found, she never would have believed I was trapped. This affair could not get out without everyone knowing. All the time, that this was not my choice. The beginning was, which was the wrong thing. She said I'd met my match, that I, had lost, I thought I had lost my family, but God had bigger plans. 
freedom, my freedom became her hell. And you'll hear about that in the rest of her story. It was the meltdown in my marriage that led me to celebrate recovery. After 26 years of marriage, I discovered that my husband had been having an affair with what I thought was my best friend. It had been going on for a long time, and when I confronted my husband, he confirmed it. We'd had a lot of struggles in our marriage, although nothing could have prepared me for that. I had known something was wrong for about a year. He had struggled with drug and alcohol addiction early in our marriage. In fact, we had separated over it, but we had reconciled. We committed ourselves to God and to each other, and we had lived the American dream. Building a business from nothing, I had flourished in my op occupation without much formal education, and we had two beautiful, healthy daughters. We got more involved in, with church-related activities. In fact, the church was like our second home. Our girls even went to private school there. Of course, we had our share of uh, uh, challenges and troubles, unexpected problems, but we always stood together. I was committed to my children, never feeling fear or insecurity about what was going to happen next. By the time our kids were teenagers, we were both involved in ministry to youth. Our involvement brought many kids through our home. In fact, that's when God brought Stephen, our son, into our lives. But while we were busy serving God, there was a void getting bigger between us and our kids. That seemed to weigh heavier on me. You see, I, I have, I, I, it was because of my control issues. Somehow I had come to believe that I could c control the outcome of anything in my world by what I did. If I did everything right, I could expect right results. I now realize how foolish that was. When I found out about the affair, all I could see was devastation. The only outcome I could see was divorce. After several weeks, Lon and I began to talk. In our conversations, I could tell that he had been talking to God. And when I asked God if I should consider reconciliation, God spoke into my spirit. That, that's your choice. He would vindicate me either way. And when I told God, I don't see how we could survive this, he said, he didn't want us to just survive. He wanted us to thrive. And that got my attention. In all our years together, we had never thrived. I knew that was God talking. And that's how the healing began. And I wish I could say we lived happily ever after, but that's just not true. <laughs> Finding out about that affair was only beginning. Over the next few weeks and months, Lon would have to confess other painful betrayals, some of them with others that I thought I could have trusted with anything. Here I was living one existence that was totally different from reality. Lamentations 3, 18 through 24 says, I cry out, my splendor is gone. Everything I had hoped for from the Lord is lost. The thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss, yet... I will dare to hope when I remember this. <laughs> the unfailing love of the Lord never ends. By his mercy, we have been kept from complete destruction. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin fresh each day. I say to myself, 
The Lord is my inheritance, therefore I will hope in him. I'm so thankful that my faith in God was already in place working on my behalf when I was at the end of myself. Over the years, I had cultivated a relationship in him that just seemed to take over when all seemed lost. We started seeing a counselor every week. We joined a support group led by Jim and Pam Wyckoff, which eventually became Celebrate Recovery at Believer's Church. We have been a part of this program since 2004. We still, to this day, go to our counselors when we need probably always will. It doesn't work unless you work it. CR is our home. Life is life. That's why we will always have CR and our CR family and our counselors who are led by Christ. I would like to tell you that all has been fine. No problems, no worries, not so. A few times I have found myself in places and situations I had no business in. But I have been able to tell my brothers in small group. And by being able to tell them and getting it out, I could go to my wife and tell her. It would hurt her, but she was glad to hear the, the truth because she said she could deal with the truth. Since writing this, uh, I had a relapse that was in the 20-year making. I started with a glass of wine. I had, I had quit drinking for 20 years. And uh, I uh, kind of got to where I thought, well, can I have a glass of wine? She said, sure. And uh, that was all well and fine. But uh, I did that for 18 years. The last two years started getting out of control till one night I fell apart for no reason. Woke up Monday morning, barely remembering Sunday. It was ugly. It was embarrassing to say the least. I got very mean with my wife for no reason at all other than my own inadequacies, which led to a very bad behavior, which my family didn't have to see the worst of it, thank God. I could say, no, I, I went to God and I asked him, what, what could I say to my wife? Because through all of these years, our struggles, what do I say to make her believe that I'm sorry? And he said, quit. So I told her I would quit and never touch another alcoholic drink again. And that's been since January 2021. CR has given me the ability to be honest and not to keep secrets that become lies, that become life-altering situations that can hurt and destroy lives. CR helps me to keep focused on what the truth, about the truth and, and all of its good. It was about a year before we reached out for help through a support group. I initially went to, in support of my husband. I was angry and resentful about having to go. But again, I began to see 
that I was not alone and that there were others around me in pain too. Each week I was loved and encouraged. That support group transitioned into our first Celebrate, Celebrate Recovery 12 step about a year and a half later. It was when I started to work on the steps that I began to see, see the issues that kept me stuck in patterns of, and behaviors that were unhealthy. I found freedom from thinking I have, I have control or that I need to have control over life. I've experienced much healing from the hurts imposed on me by others and have discovered that can, God can and will redeem anything. Since that time, Lon and I have stayed connected to celebrate recovery. The step study had helped me so much that we wanted to give to others what as we were encouraged in step 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to others and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. While the step study had revealed areas of my life that I needed to work on, the weekly meetings provided a place to help me continue working on the steps. Each week I could take an honest inventory of how I was doing in a setting where I was accepted, encouraged, and held accountable. As a result, uh, as I continued going, I realized how much I was, I was so inspired as I saw God at work in the lives of others. It didn't take long for me to see that I was getting much more than I was giving to others. It has been a pure joy to watch God transform our lives and, host, and a host of others who choose to keep coming back week after week. Since that first step study, I have led two other 12-step studies where I've begun to focus on giving up the self-sufficiency, codependency, disappointments, and resentments that were hindering me from being all that God has for me. Revelations 12, 11 says we defeat the devil by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Our family is stronger than it's ever been. And I just praise God for that. In an interview, Rick Warren made some comments that stuck with me. In happy moments, praise God. In difficult moments, seek God. In quiet moments, worship God. In painful moments, trust God. In every moment, thank God. And Jim Weinkoff made a good statement at, at CR, and I, I stick with that. I think it's one of the greatest statements I've ever heard, is just try to do the next right thing. Thank you for listening. Celebrate Recovery is for anyone and everyone. No matter the struggle, whether you come to support someone or if you've struggled with an issue for years and you've tried everything and failed, you have nothing to lose and so much to gain. There is healing, freedom, and forgiveness, just to name a few. Just, keep, just commit to keep coming back and trust God with the rest. I will always remember Psalms 90, 14 through 17. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love so that we may sing for joy to the ends of our lives. Give us gladness in proportion to our former misery. Replace evil years with good. Let us see your miracles again. Let our children see your glory at work. May the Lord our God show his approval and make our efforts successful. That passage of scripture caused hope to leap in my heart for my family to be restored, and God has been faithful. Celebrate Recovery has been a lifeline for me. 
Not only did it provide a safe place to be real and honest, it offered tools that I can use to make progress in my recovery. I can see the fruits of what I've learned and applied in all my relationships. I literally don't know where I would be today without this church and this program. And I just, and, and I, uh, as Ryan said, I'm not, no one's going to judge you either way if you just choose to do this or not. But I would say if, if you are here today and you've walked the recovery process with Lon and I, I'd ask you to stand. It's in, thank you. Thank you so much. It's important for you to see that recovery doesn't happen alone. My forever family loved me back to life. There was a time when I couldn't even look up. But yet I kept coming back because I was desperate. I, I now have a full life that is purposeful and I count it a privilege to invest in others that celebrate recovery. I choose now to live one day at a time the past is behind me, and I have no promise for tomorrow. I am so thankful that God gave us the courage to not settle for surviving and miss out on thriving. up those stairs than it is to go down them. Actually, it's not that hard to get down them. Just, sometimes it's really faster than you want to. <clears throat> I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. He struggled with alcohol and drugs for many years, and I'm currently working on codependency and pride and purifying my thought life. My name is Lowell. Glad you guys are here. I grew up on an operating wheat and cattle ranch in western Oklahoma. Growing up on a ranch gave me an education and many different skills, but mainly I learned the value of a hard day's work. I am thankful. Now to my family. Dad was abusive, and he did not claim me as his son. His assumption was that because he had been unfaithful, so had Mom. He didn't like me would punch on me, and would come home after several days of drinking and yell and punch, etc. I remember hiding under the bed on numerous occasions. I do have some good childhood memories of Dad. When he wasn't drunk, he was okay to be around. But I was always frightened of Dad when I was alone with him. Dad had two very distinct faces, the one Mom and I saw and the one the rest of the world saw. He did start liking me in college, and our relationship improved greatly. Mom was the head of our family and really the only thing that held it together. She was a teetotaler and always pushed us to do more. I remember I made a B-plus on a report card uh, early in school, and Mom threw a fit. I worried that her love might be withheld from me if I didn't perform, so boy, did I perform. 
My sister was five years older and in very poor health, and because of this, we really didn't get to have a relationship early on, but I took care of her the last 20 years of her life, starting after she drove her her car up into my yard in Tulsa, uh, fell out drunk. I helped her find her way into rehab the next day. I just wish I'd have had the insight for where my life was headed, and I'd have gotten a room right next door to her. She had two kids that she was never able to raise due to her massive addictions. My ex-wife didn't want that burden, but I did. And I treated both of them as my own and had the privilege of giving one away in marriage and share the life of their family. I tried to be a father influence to the other, but once he got older, there were lots of issues. There was still a relationship up until he got married. However, he was a master manipulator and the manipulator that I was was really slow to, to, to figure it out. He has two kids and doesn't want to be a part of our family. More about my family dynamics would be way too much to go into, but let's just say they would make really awesome lyrics to a country and western song. So my coping skills were overachievement and running away. First, the running away. This was done by being in everything so that I didn't have to go home to dad. The achievement race began in junior high, and I learned that if I excelled, I not only didn't have to go home, I got to go out of town. At the pace I was going, burnout was inevitable. I also learned far too early about sex, from being abused by a girlfriend of my sister's in our basement and a male counselor at church camp. I was forced into sexual maturity long before I was ready. I didn't realize what it was at the time, but I was an inventive little kid and, among other things, wallpapered my clubhouse very inappropriately. I accepted Christ at age 14 and joined a religious singing group. There was healing, but I didn't address the abuse. The middle period of my life was filled with nothing but success. I share a few of these so that uh, I can highlight, be careful, you can fall. I climbed to the top at Oklahoma State University and was named their outstanding graduate. I was a state officer for the Future Farmers of America, and so I didn't consider going to any other school. After graduating there and marrying a girl I had known throughout, I went immediately to medical school at the University of Oklahoma. There were lots of honors and awards. Mom had built this huge shrine that was the first thing people saw when they walked into her house. I used to love to pe- bring people home to look at the wall of fame. <laughs> I realize now how sick that was as well. I may have beamed when someone would look at all the trophies, but inside my head, I still heard the voice of my dad saying, you are worthless. That same internal talk carried across into my professional life as a physician. In fact, inside my head, I always heard dad's voice saying I was disgusting and I would never amount to anything. I'm really glad I never thought I was better than anyone else, but that internal voice really messed me up, particularly after I got to a position where I couldn't use achievement to pump me up anymore. In high school and college, my focus was on Christ, and I was surrounded by godly men. My perspective was different than it is now because at that point, I'd never known defeat. But once medicine and its pursuit took over as priority one, all of that changed. The first couple years of med school was rough. I was a small town boy 
and I wasn't prepared for all the things I was exposed to. My faith was tested again and again. In med school, I had very few positive influences. My wife was a classmate, and the constant pressure of school gave us an unhealthy foundation on which to build a marriage, and our attendance in church and pursuit of God began wavering. For me, it was this huge letdown when I was finally called doctor, and then wondered, well, what do I do now? <laughs> that, coupled with a divorce and my no longer being able to use achievement as a drug anymore, led to a significant downward spiral. In private practice, I had the money to do whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted. See, God gave me this brain that also that hangs on to a lot of information, and I considered that a curse. I also expected to live this really long life, and I didn't want to. You see, Dad died in an auto accident at 92, in reasonably good health, despite all the things that he had done to his body. Mom died at 92 while still on the ranch with the cows. I had no desire to live that long. So I started out using any drug to shorten my lifespan. Really anything uh, that would help me forget about the brain and, um, and, and forget about the, the damage in the past. I had sunk into this deep abyss. Praise God that if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I let money, position, arrogance, and power become my idols. Eventually, I got intervened on by friends and went to doctor rehab. I did not celebrate recovery. <laughs> and I had no intention of anyone telling me what to do except me. After getting back in trouble with the medical board, during a relapse, I turned in my medical license rather than submit to any more of their supervision. I remember thinking, I'm going to show them. <laughs> wow. I thought I'll lay off medicine a year and then get my life back together and go back in. But that year turned into years, and I never had any desire to return to medicine full-time until just a few years ago. There really was no path back at that point. But God. Looking back on this, even though I wasn't seeking God, He was faithful. And even though I had given up on me, He had not. Throughout the next several years, I would have periods of not using, but no real sobriety. I tried AA on many occasions and CR on a couple of occasions and found myself just wanting to drink more after I left those meetings. I know none of you guys can relate. I only went because someone made me. You know, in AA, they talk about those unfortunates that just don't get it. Yeah, clearly I was one of them. I've always had a heart for missions, and during this time, I went on medical missions on every continent on the planet, except Antarctica. I don't like cold weather. Because of those good works, on the outside, I thought I looked really, really good. But on the inside, I was still messed up. I was an arrogant winner slash loser. Think about that one. I finally had enough, and God put CR back on my radar. I didn't know much, but I knew that God wanted me in a step study. 
In Step City, my perspective on sobriety, my heart, and my motivations began to change. I started going to meetings for different reasons. I started caring if I was in God's will and humbling myself. I started caring about his people. I was changing. In CR, I initially found a group that I could worship with that would accept me the way I was. I found people that are broken and willing to help build one another up, to encourage each other, and to work to figure out why we do some of the crazy things that we do. Step study allowed me to figure out what was behind several of the behaviors that I'd allowed to turn into habits, to systematically look at the ones that I was aware of, and to ask the Holy Spirit to show me the ones that I wasn't, to genuinely practice Christian accountability with a band of brothers. Each lesson built on the last and provided an amazing insight directly and indirectly by other men in the room. If you are new to Celebrate Recovery, give this program a chance. Keep coming back, especially if you don't want to. I don't believe in coincidence. If you're here, even Sunday morning, if you're here, it is not a coincidence. There's a reason. You may have no idea what it is yet, and uh, that's okay. And you can thank the Holy Spirit later for that one. He's real good at pushing that in there every now and then. But that being said, Satan throws a temper tantrum and will say or do anything that keeps us doing the things that keep us messed up. If you mess up, keep coming back. There is no testimony more powerful than that of a captive who has been set free. Amen? Satan knows this, however. So keep coming back until God does a work in your heart and mind that allows you to have the testimony of someone whose chains have been broken. I've had a lot of idols in my past, and many of them felt pretty good for a while. But I can honestly say that I've never experienced any feeling that even remotely rivals the feeling of being so filled with the Holy Spirit that it spills out everywhere I go. I can attest to the fact that God is faithful and will restore what the locusts have eaten. I can offer hope that you too, through hard work and the restorative power of the Holy Spirit, can be delivered from the chains that bind you. That if you pass on what you've learned here, you will not only save lives and souls, you'll experience the joy that comes from knowing that it is better to give than it is to receive, the peace that comes from knowing what God's perfect will is in your lives, and like the serenity prayer says, be reasonably happy in this life, or maybe even a whole lot more. So what's different in my life now? Everything. I got to serve my mom in her old age and read my testimony to her the night before she passed away. Do you think that was a coincidence? Despite my rocky relationship with dad, I wish he could see the man that I am now. There's so much going on to me beyond my level of control that I'm blown away. My relationship with one child has deepened greatly. My relationship with the other has improved because I finally figured out I can't fix him. I also realize that my trying to fix others often hurts them more than it helps them. Still working on that one. I am finally proud of myself, and I do not mean that in a puffed-up way. Believe me, those of you that know me, I'm still a work in progress. God never gave up on me, even though I had, and it's a blessing to start seeing myself more the way He sees me and less the way I used to see myself. 
My work on recovery has been really hard work. I've heard testimonies from people that have been instantly cured from their addictions. Clearly, God can do that. It just didn't work that way for me. It's taken hard work and lots of pain for me to change. I have to keep coming back, working the steps, and passing on what I've learned. For me, I do not count that as a curse. I, like in James 1, 2 through 5, count it all joy, brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Unless steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. You see, God is using my ability to teach and my training in medicine to further his kingdom in ways that I never could have imagined. I prayed a scary prayer. God, use me. Be careful if you pray that one, by the way, because he will. Today I pray for several things every day. God, use me. I pray, God, grant me wisdom. I usually add specific areas that are based upon what I'm going through at the time and whatever the Holy Spirit puts on my heart. I pray that he will bring people into my life that I can share his good news with and that I will live life above reproach so as to be a light in this world. I firmly believe that if we confess our sins to each other and pray for each other, that we will be healed. God has shown me proof of that in my own life, and so my faith in that regard has turned to certainty. Several years ago, I was so depressed that I could barely get out of bed. I am, due to God's grace, clearly no longer that guy. A good friend of mine says there are two important days in our lives, the day we're born and the day we figure out why. I now understand why I struggled so much only to be restored. Principle 8 of CR says, yield myself to God to be used to bring this good news to others, both by my example and by my words. My many years of addiction addiction has in recovery given me a new purpose in life. First, to help others dealing with addictions to know the restorative power of Jesus Christ and to help them to be free from the chains that bind them. And then once they're sober, to encourage them in their walk and make disciples. I don't desire to do that on a grand scale. Just a few men at a time and the grace to do it whenever and wherever God leads. I used to brag that the shortest distance between two points was really boring. (laughs) I like the scenic route. In Proverbs 3, 6, it says, In all your ways submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Amen. God is clearly doing that in my life. Just a few years ago, my license to practice medicine was restored with restrictions. And a couple years ago, after finishing an advanced fellowship in addiction medicine, those restrictions have been removed. Amen. God placed me at Oklahoma State University and at the National Center for Wellness and Recovery as a practitioner and as a teaching doctor. He made me a director serving Eastern Oklahoma for the Oklahoma Health Professionals Program, which is part of the Oklahoma State Medical Association, and we're responsible for helping doctors that have lost their way. To find their way back. 
He called me to leadership for Celebrate Recovery International and made me a state representative for the South Central region of the United States. And I serve as our state's opiate education champion. I'm being allowed to serve in an area that God has ignited great passion. You see, God didn't waste anything. God is merging a long-term calling into full-time service with a profession, a calling, and a desire to see lives and souls saved from addiction. He put me in a really unique place to be able to carry that out and is giving me opportunities to shout from the mountaintops who he is and what he is capable of doing. But God wasn't through there. His plans are so much bigger than mine. His most recent adjustments are the biggest yet. He has moved me to the Grand Addiction Recovery Center, which is the largest addiction recovery center in the nation now, and put me over that facility and allowed me to bring Jesus Christ. He also made me men's minister at Southern Hills Baptist Church. Two things I clearly wasn't qualified to do. But that he uniquely qualified me for. God radically transformed the path of my life after I gave over to him complete and total control. Please, I beg of you, let him have that same level of control over you. It is my hope and prayer that we all live as light in a dark world, that we listen to what the Word of God says about us and not what our internal talk or Satan says about us, that we step out of our comfort zones and share what God has done in our lives, that we be bold and invite other people who need recovery to church and to celebrate recovery, that we minister to others just as we have been ministered to. I love God, and I love you guys, and I appreciate you uh, letting me share. Uh, uh, um, Brian and, and, uh, and Linda wanted me to just very shortly say kind of what a, a state rep does. It's my blessing to support um, uh, them as ministry leaders. Um, I work for, I volunteer for, um, for um, Saddleback. We're, uh, state reps are vetted through Saddleback Church. Um, the, the DNA of of Celebrate Recovery is very simple. We require that the Bible be the ultimate authority uh, and that Jesus Christ be celebrated. And, and so, uh, and we, uh, we have guidelines that they uh, ha- will, you know, will tell you about that keep our groups safe be, uh, and allow people to share what is truly on their heart um, and, and not have any fear of that leaving that room. Um, I, I've had the blessing of, of witnessing amazing um, amazing life transformation um, in in this ministry, and and so it's my blessing just to support, um, so to to just support support you and to support your pastor um, in this church um, in any way that uh, that I can be of service. Uh, we also provide uh, just as I'm accountable to to Saddleback. You know, we require that Celebrate Recoveries be accountable to their local church. Um, and so accountability is significant in, in this program. And, and so uh, if any of you, um, if there's ever any way that I can help you uh, as a straight rep or if you have someone that's struggling with addiction, uh, God has um, put me in a, he's used all the crazy craziness 
that uh, of my past, and he's and he's molded it all together to allow me to give him glory in in so many ways. And so I just thank you for letting me share. Let let's stay standing. Don't you love CR Sunday? Oh my goodness. Well, we're going to wrap up by praying this serenity prayer together. And then if you have children, boogie over there and grab them. Uh, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Amen. God bless you guys. Go grab your kiddos.